Thank you so much for joining us today for our LifePoint podcast. At LifePoint, we believe everyone's welcome, nobody's perfect, and with God, anything's possible. Hope you enjoy. Good morning, third service. Yeah, doesn't that kind of remind you of like Inception? Is that just me, the music? It's kind of like, it definitely does. It has an Inception feel to it. Hey guys, uh, welcome to Life Point Church. My name is Andrew Garcia, and I'm one of the teaching pastors here. And if you're a guest with us today, thank you so much for being here with us. Um, we love it when people get to come and check out what we're doing, what God is doing through us, what we get the privilege to do. And thank you, thank you for being here. We are in a message series on miracles right now, and this is week two of our series. And if you haven't been with us the last couple of weeks or last week, don't worry, just go back to podcast, SoundCloud, um, or even Facebook Live and just check it out. Our senior pastors set up this series by laying the foundation for the different types of miracles that we see throughout Scripture. And I'm not going to lie, I love the title for this series because it's really raw. Like, because the truth is, when it, when it comes to miracles, most people either just don't believe in miracles, or if you do, you just don't believe it would happen for you. And so the idiom when pigs fly is a way to kind of just be caustic about the possibility of something happening. It's, it's a way to kind of express disbelief or skepticism, because I'm not sure if you kind of realize this or not, but pigs are not aerodynamic creatures. <laughs> like, they're fat and whatnot, and if you drop them, well, they're just going to fall hard. So, I don't know why I said that, because we drop pigs all the time. When you aren't sure about something, you just say, when pigs fly. Now, today's a little bit different than normal. Today, we might get a little hyped up, so if I get amped up, like, you get amped up. Like, let's do this together. I'm a student pastor, so, like, I want some engagement today. Are we good with that? Let's get it, man. Okay, so we've been talking about miracles, and today we're going to talk about a particular category of miracles um, that a lot of us attempt to exercise in our own lives. And so I'm kind of curious right now, which of us in here have ever kind of prayed a prayer that sounds like this before? God, if you just get me through this today, right now, I'll serve you forever. Anybody ever do this? Right? God, if you help me pass this test. <laughs> we got a college student in the house. Land that promotion. Get that raise. Jesus, I'll let you take the wheel. God, if you help me land that babe. Mmm, son. I'll serve up in Kids Point because, you know, I'm willing to make them. I'm just not willing to take care of them. But for her, and of course, God, for you, I'll do both. God, if you can just get me out of this ticket, I'll never speed again. I'll never run past the stop sign. I'll never be reckless. Right? We've all said stuff like this before. And so I want to talk to us today about the power that God has to protect. And as a matter of fact, the psalmist writes about the Lord's, the Lord's power. This is what he says in Psalms 37, 39. The Lord rescues the godly. He is their fortress in times of trouble. And this is one of those beautiful bumper sticker verses. And we can plaster it everywhere and put it, you know, in kind of one of those farmer markets so you can drop it onto your wall. It's beautiful and it's amazing. And the truth is, is that I personally am convinced that our God has the power to protect and so I just want to kind of prime today with a story that I'd like to share with you. And you can kind of decide if God's miracle of protection is real for yourself. The day was March 2nd, 1986. And it was a cool night. A normal evening just like any other. 
A young lady was returning from a church event in Johnson City to stay at his friend's house for, for the night to watch movies and stay up all late, all night, and super late, and then just sleep in all morning because that's what teenagers do best. While she was returning home, she was driving down Southwest Military Drive late on Friday night, which if you lived here in, 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 in San Antonio, you know that this was kind of a party road. This is where there was loud music and kind of drunk and reckless drivers who would drive down the street, pouring out of the venues that lined the street. And she came to a red light, and she suddenly became overwhelmingly sleepy. Something that was out of her teenage character and immediately fell asleep. Then, completely bewildered, and in a daze, she opened her eyes to the hissing of an engine driving through foggy ears. Looking around, she couldn't understand what had just happened. She pinched herself to figure out if she was still alive or if this was a, a dream. And as she began to stir, she noticed a, a lady running over to her side of the car, and she pulled her out and set her up on the street curb in the middle of the road. You see, she had been hit by a drunk driver head-on who had been going 65 miles an hour. He had veered across the median and hit her on the, vehicle, on the driver's side of the vehicle. Now, these were the days where, when wearing, wearing a seatbelt was kind of largely still unenforced, so she didn't have one on. But she had survived. A miracle? by all accounts. See, the story matters to me a lot because that young lady was my mom. And it's, it's an incredible story of how God's protection in her, in her life has actually become part of my legacy because I wouldn't be here today otherwise, which should be just, you know, not very fortunate for some of you. <laughs> and it feels really good to tell you the story until I tell you that my mom actually wasn't driving the vehicle that night. You see, it was actually her friend Kim. And when you ask me about Kim, I have to tell you that Kim was never the same from that night. See, Kim, who looked perfectly healthy on the outside, my mom's closest high school friend, was slumped across her lap in the vehicle. And doctors would later tell the friends and the family that Kim had actually sustained a brainstem injury that had rendered her incapacitated. To this day, she can barely walk or talk without any assistance. While my mother, who looked like she had been mugged with purple bruising and, and dark spots all over her body, was in the ER only for one night before being released to the hospital, from the hospital, to go home. Her only scar today being the one that's on her face that you can barely notice unless you're really paying attention. And what's so hard to believe is that God would protect one person, one innocent child, and not the other. Because what we absolutely know to be true is that God didn't just love my mom, Mary, that day, but he also loved Kim. Yet one walked away unharmed, and the other walked away harmed. And the tension that remains is how could a God protect someone without protecting someone else? How could God protect one person and not protect another? And I want to talk about that tension of a God who can save, who does protect, 
but sometimes things don't go the way we thought they should. And the truth is, this is a difficult subject to cover, but it's one that I believe can, can bring some awareness, possibly some comfort, maybe even some answers, while building your faith in a God who does miracles. And I want to give you two big thoughts today. And I hope that as we kind of work through this message that God will begin to connect these dots internally for you. You see, the first thought is this. Long before you face a problem, God already has a plan. Long before you face a problem, God already has a plan. Long before you face something unexpected, something difficult, even something tragic, God already had a plan. And I just want to work this out with some examples scripturally. You see, long before the rain flooded the earth, God had provided and had planned a way for Noah and his family and the right animals to be on the boat. Before Jonah was ever thrown overboard, God had already planned for him to be rescued and taken safely to shore by a fish. Long before the Israelites had been cornered by Egyptian soldiers on one side, the sea on one side, and a mountain on the other, God had already prepared and planned a way for them to walk on dry ground through the sea. So what does this mean for us today? There may be someone in here who might find comfort that long before you discovered the bad news about your health, long before you lost the job, long before that girl broke your heart, God already had a plan. And what we know to be true about God is that God is a God who can miraculously rescue, who can miraculously protect. He can commission angels at the word of his mouth to, to, to come into your situation. He can shut the mouths of hungry lions. He can calm the raging sea. And long before you ever faced a problem, we need to embrace the truth that can minister to us that while you don't understand it, God already had a plan for the problem. Let's unpack this a little more. And let's talk about the miracle of protection. And I, I want to walk through a story, two interesting stories today that revolve around the Apostle Paul. And the first one that we're going to look at is in Acts chapter 16. And let me just give you some context for this, because in this passage, what's kind of going on here is there's a girl that is a slave who is predicting the future, who's been following Paul and Silas around. And she was possessed with a demon. And she was just, again, predicting to people what was going to come. And this was making whoever her owners were a ton of cash. And so evidently this girl kind of at some point just got on Paul and Silas's nerves. And they turn around and they rebuke the demon from her. And then suddenly the men who are making money off of this cash cow, their income suddenly just dries up. So you can only imagine how angry they must have been. So they get really upset about this. And they begin to go and spread lies about Paul and Silas, which eventually starts a riot, totally baseless, completely false. And then Paul and Silas find themselves victims in this riot. Scripture says this in Acts chapter 16, verses 22 through 23. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten. Everyone say, stripped and beaten. They were ordered to be stripped and beaten with rods. 
after they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into the prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. And the question that we have to say is, what are we seeing in this passage? You see, Paul and Silas, man, they're out, they're out serving Jesus. They're out faithfully doing what God has called them to do. And in a moment, they're, they're unfairly accused, wrongly stripped of their clothing, flogged and beaten with wooden rods. And if I'm Paul, and Paul's going to be the main focus of today's, of today's, of today's lesson at some point, I'm going to be thinking, man, God, what is going on? Like, this isn't, this isn't fair. Like, come on, bro. And the truth is, not only was it not fair, Paul was a Roman citizen. So he was exempt from this kind of punishment because it was illegal to punish a Roman citizen in this way. So not only is he wrongly accused, not only did he do nothing wrong, not only is he being unfairly beaten, but this kind of punishment is not supposed to be happening to him. And here's the truth. While most of us haven't been stripped and beaten physically, tragically, some of us have been stripped of hope. You once had faith and believed in a God who could do anything. But then your circumstance, your situation, your problem rose its head and took your faith, once vibrant and full, right from out under you. Maybe you haven't been beaten with rods, but maybe you're being beaten down with words and discouragement. Maybe it's self-talk. Maybe it's other people speaking death to you, darkness to you. And you feel like you've been stripped of once you held dear. You're being unfairly beaten down. Consider Paul. I mean, he's doing what God has called him to do, and he's painfully and publicly being tortured, beaten. It's not supposed to be happening to him. So what would he do if he was like everyone else today? Because I know a lot of people today would be like, God, this isn't fair. You said you'd, you could show up. You said you'd protect me. Where are you? Because what is God not doing in this case? He's not showing up. He's not protecting him. He's not providing some miracle. He could have. I mean, God, God could have sent down a 10-foot angel that bowed up and was like, boys? What? You know who this boy is? And his other homeboy? You better back down, yo. He didn't do that. So what do you think Paul does? What do you think he's thinking as God's letting him endure this pain that seems to have no purpose? I'll tell you exactly what Paul did. This is exactly what happens all the time nowadays. Paul decided, I'm going to quit life group. I'm going to stop praying. I'm going to stop paying tithes, and I'm going to stop going to church because you know what? I'm going to show you, God. I'm going to stop listening to Christian radio, and instead I'm going to listen to some secular rock and roll or some Tejano music. <laughs> Whatever, man. Because God could have protected me, but he didn't. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Let me show you what Paul really did, just in case you thought that's what he did. About midnight, the text says, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. 
after God did not miraculously protect them when he could have. They're singing and they're worshiping and they're giving their good God praise from their hearts, with their hands. They're lifting their voices and praying and praising God. And you have to think, what are all the other prisoners thinking? Like, somebody beat them too hard. (laughs) These boys done lost it. These guys are crazy because they've never seen anything like this. And what I, I just, I love what the text says next because it says, and then suddenly. And what I love about our God is that our God is the God of suddenly. You see, when you didn't expect a way out, when you were going through the darkness, when you felt locked up, when you felt like there was no escape, suddenly God can show up and he can come through. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And all at once, the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. You see, what is a miracle? A miracle is very simply when the God of heaven comes down and intervenes on earth. You see, earlier God didn't do a miracle. But now God does. The ground shakes, the doors are open, the chains come loose. And what's so incredibly convicting to me in this passage is that Paul didn't wait to worship until after the miracle. No, no, no. Instead, Paul worshiped God before the miracle. In fact, what I love about this is that the the writer of Hebrews actually calls this something, whenever you worship God, a sacrifice of praise. In other words, there are times when we praise God, when we feel him, when we sense him, and then there are times when we continue to praise God even though we don't feel him and we don't sense him. That we're choosing to worship him not because of what he's done, but because of who he is. Come on, somebody. When do we worship our God? When it's going our way or when it's not? When times are rough or when they're going well, we worship him when we see his hand and when we don't. Sometimes we just offer him a sacrifice of praise. This is exactly what I saw some of you guys doing in here today. Because you might have walked into this place without much hope. You might have walked in here today facing a grim diagnosis, a dark season of life, a sour relationship, but you praised God anyways. You may feel a bit deflated, in disbelief, skeptical, but you praise him anyways. And you praise him not because of what you see him doing. You just praise him for who he is. And I know, I know, it doesn't make much sense. But if God didn't do anything else for us in our lives aside from coming down to pay the price of sin through the death of Jesus on the cross to give us eternal life after this physical death, that is all that he ever had to do for us. Because here's the truth that we have to remember. God didn't create death. Darkness wasn't a part of God's original plan. Go back and look at Genesis. The darkness that we experience in our lives, the death that we experience in our lives, God didn't intend for us to have. You see, Adam and Eve took something 
that didn't belong to them. And it was through disobedience that the result is we experience darkness and death. And what we experience is, not a, con- is a consequence, not a punishment. Hear me. What we experience is a consequence, not a punishment of our disobedience. And yet, while that wasn't a part of God's plan, that doesn't mean that God didn't give it purpose. Because in our failure, God has a chance to display his faithfulness. In our failure, God has a chance to display his faithfulness. You see, because while we see the glass half empty, God always sees the glass half full. Because in our failure, in our pain, God can foster purpose to bring about his promise and his plan. Which means that we praise and worship God because of who he is, not because of what he has or hasn't done. And if you find yourself today in this place, in a dark place, then maybe you need to take some time to offer God a sacrifice of praise. Because before there was the miracle, Paul and Silas were praising God. I mean, they're in the middle of prison. It's it's, it's midnight. They're praising God, and God shows up. There's this earthquake, and the jailer wakes up and sees that all these prison doors are open, and he's like, oh, snap. (laughs) What am I going to do? I'm going to lose my job. These guys are out of here. So he decides, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and take care of it for him. I'm going to go ahead and kill myself now. And then Paul's like, hold the phone, bro. Wait up. Nobody's left. Hold up. And, and the jailer's like, what, what, what are you thinking? I don't know about this God that I heard you praising about, but now I want to know who he is. Tell me what I need to do to be friends with him. And here's the cliff notes. Not only did Paul introduce the jailer to Christ, but he also helped the jailer's entire family come to know the grace and the goodness through the salvation through Jesus. And we have to feel and sense the weight of this today. Because not only was Paul saved, but so was the jailer and the jailer's entire family. And what do we see? Before Paul went to prison, God had a plan. Before he ever went to prison, God had a plan. And what's so obvious is that God didn't do a miracle of protection when they were getting beaten. But God did, at the right time, provide a miracle of protection when they were in prison. And that's the obvious way that God protected Paul. But here's what I'm convinced of. That God is always at work behind the scenes in our lives, day in and day out. That he's always there. When you can't see with the natural eye, God is always running around to protect us from things that we didn't even know were coming. Like you're running late in traffic, and come on, somebody. You know you hate traffic. (laughs) Like you just want to beat somebody down. (laughs) And then pull out your knife, like Pastor Daniel likes to say. But you have no idea what God just protected you from around the corner. 
Man, you wanted that job. You were experienced. You were qualified. And you didn't get it. But then later on, you find out that either a better job came along or that everyone got laid off. God was working behind the scenes even when you didn't see it. There's probably somebody in here that at some point, man, you may want to give some praise because there's some things that you wanted that God didn't give to you that now you're like, praise him. (laughs) And usually it had a face and it was a guy or it was a girl and they're nuts. What God had for you wasn't what you expected. It was better than what you expected. And sometimes, regardless of what you're going to, you just have to offer God a sacrifice of praise. Because as we get to know the goodness of God, His nature, His character, when He breaks off the chains and and throws open the doors when he could have sent an angel of deliverance, but doesn't. When we get to understand his goodness, his faithfulness, we begin to recognize that long before we encountered the problem, God already had a plan. And over time, as we begin to spiritually mature and grow in our faith and become more like Christ, eventually what we learn, what we begin to see with new eyes, is that sometimes... God's eternal purposes don't align with our temporary plans. You can't miss this. Sometimes God's eternal purposes don't align with our temporary plans. And you have to think about this. Paul was delivered from prison this time. But scholars estimate that Paul actually spent somewhere between five and a half to six years in prison. God broke him out when the time was right. But God didn't break him out when God had another eternal purpose. In fact, it was somewhere around, uh, they estimated his fifth missionary journey that Paul was in prison was tried by Nero. And Paul was found guilty for having faith in Jesus. And so they couldn't crucify him because he was a Roman citizen. They actually went ahead and just beheaded him. And when God could have sent down an angel to show up and to show off, He didn't. Just like all the other disciples who God faithfully protected until he didn't. And I'm not sure how else to say it, but before you face a problem, God already has a plan. And sometimes we wake up and realize that his eternal purposes are so much higher than our thoughts. There's so much more beyond what our limited human mind could possibly comprehend or even understand. Sometimes his eternal purposes are very, very, very different than what we would want in the moment. And when we, when we learn to truly, truly trust God for his goodness, one day you're going to wake up and just realize how he's always been there with you in the middle of the storm. Does it take away the pain? Does it take away the heartbreak, the loss, the tragedy, the, 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 the darkness that is, is, is just surrounding you? No. 
Are we devastated in the moment? Of course. Why would we pretend otherwise? But do we continue to trust our God? Yes. We continue to trust in God. We continue to believe he can. We don't just trust him. We also worship him. We honor him. We lift up his name when life is going good and when life is going bad. When everything is working out our way or when it's all falling apart, it doesn't matter. We praise him and we worship him. And you have to hear me. Just because he can doesn't mean he should. Just because he can doesn't mean he should. Just because he didn't doesn't mean God doesn't. You have to wrap your mind around that. God should exist outside of the realm of our understanding. And if we don't come to terms with his sovereignty, with his authority, and with his goodness, it's going to cause some problems. Because life doesn't always feel good. How does this play out? If we serve a God that can protect, how do we live as followers of Christ? Let me tell you how we live. We pray for God's divine protection each and every day. We get down on our hands and our knees and we plead before the Father. Father, protect my life. Protect my heart. Protect my home. Protect my loved ones. Keep us. Hold us. Watch over our bodies, our minds, our souls. God, protect my marriage. Watch over my spouse. Protect my friends and my family and my kids. And I'm telling you today, I would challenge you to always pray for your kids, no matter how old they are. Pray for angels to be encamped, encamped around about them from the darkness that is looking to, to tear them down and to rip them apart and to sink its teeth into their hearts and their minds. I cannot tell you how many times in my life that the prayer of protection from my mom, my dad, my grandma, and those that love me, as I look back over my life, I can now see where God inserted himself between me and the trouble that I was getting myself into. And I know I'm not the only one. And I'm sure that today we could go all around this room and find stories of those who were rescued by God, where God did a miracle of protection, where he stepped in, when it was impossible and incredible, where it couldn't have been a coincidence. Because what we know to be true is that he's working all things to bring about good to those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. You see, God is working in the breakups and the breakdowns, in the wins and in the losses. He's working when things are going well and when things are falling apart. His hand is present. His power is there. We praise him because he's worthy of it even when it doesn't seem like he's coming through because he's good. He's good. He is always good. You see, he promised to be with you no matter what you walk through or where you found yourself. He said, I will be with you. There is someone in here today that needs to offer God a sacrifice of praise. And I'm going to invite the band up. 
And as they get ready to play for us and sing a song, there are those of you in here that are facing a dark season of life. Do not stop praying and believing for God to do what he is capable of doing. Always believe, always ask, always trust that he has a plan and a purpose in the pain, through the torment. Let it become a tool that God can use to transform your life from the inside out. Let's stand together. I want to pray with you. Heavenly Father, we come into this place today. God, some of us have been beaten down, broken, and bruised. God, we have no hope. God, the situation that we're staring at that is looking us down in the face, it feels like a giant. But God, today you have reminded us that you can and that we need to change our focus and shift our perspective back on you. God, that we're going to believe that not only can you come through, but that you have the power to do so. And we're going to ask that even if you don't, that you help us, God, to embrace your truth, your love, your, your life for us. God, if that is us today, if we find ourselves in that place, we're going to offer you this sacrifice of praise as they sing this next song. We're going to give you and believe, God, for the miracle that can happen, even if it doesn't. We're going to take a stand to believe that you can protect. In your name we pray. Amen. Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If this ministry has impacted you in any way and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, please visit lifepointsa.com give to make a donation. We hope you have a great rest of your week and we hope to see you soon at one of our Sunday worship experiences. God bless.